Annalise Gormley is a self-taught woodworker nestled in the mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, sitting on her her throne (laughs) if you're watching the video. What an incredible chair. Her focus for years was in traditional hand carving techniques and creating pieces that meet both function and aesthetic. Over the last year, she has added resin and epoxy? Yes. Epoxy into her work in the hopes of creating pieces that fossilize flowers, mushrooms, bugs, and special pieces into forever functional wares. And we will talk more about what all of that means means. on the podcast today. I love that. And I love that, like, while we've only been here for what feels like a moment, I I think we we witnessed the transition into some of that resin and epoxy work. Yeah. I mean, I took a deep dive. I sort of like put everything on the back burner and I just, totally went in Um, yeah which i don't know it's i'm sure you all feel similar where that's kind of how you have to do things if you think about it for so long and it's like everything seems to line up and you start and it's working out um you kind of just have to follow you have to ride that wave you know until kind of until you can't and i feel like that's exactly what i've been doing with this Uh, wow yeah so I mean, that was a uh, that was a bio, which is not necessarily normal. I would love to give you a moment to just also introduce yourself. Yeah, um, my name is Annalise Gormley. I um, started doing woodworking specifically with spoon and hook probably around six years ago. Um, I went through one of those life moments where you are totally heartbroken and everything in your life changes. Um, I woke up one morning and I was sleeping on my sister's couch. I lived there for about four months. My entire life was just completely uprooted. And it was me and my dog and like just sort of figuring things out. And before that, I think I was on this life path of just doing everything you're supposed to do. You know, you like you get out of high school, you go to college, you're in a good relationship, you everything is great. And like you just sort of do the monotonous thing, not necessarily monotonous for everyone, but for me, it felt that way in the life I was living. And this was the first time in my life that I sort of had the capability of um, choosing anything else, you know, like I was one of the best things that's ever happened as far as like a liberating moment for me. Um, And I started to realize that I had no clue who I was at all. Um, And in that time, my grandmother gave me all of these things. She just, she's such a great woman. And she was essentially saying like, I've waited for this moment when you wouldn't be in that life to hand you all this stuff. And she gave me this spoon um, amongst like several other things that she can trace back to the Macon Valley Bird Clan of Kentucky. Uh, We have like deep Native American roots in my family. And so she she was able to like tell the story of the spoon and what it possibly was used for and like how it came to come to her. And I was just completely mind blown that that could end up with me. You know, it was like one of the coolest moments. And I, in that time, um, I was taking lessons on the banjo. I was like becoming a runner, you know, I put on so many hats of like who I could be. Um, and nothing was really sticking except for woodworking. I, I bought a hook knife um, from villagers in West Asheville. And I had this tiny piece of wood and I just started carving. And it felt completely natural. Like I was so excited. I found myself waking up like in the middle of the night, just thinking of any, you know, like 
I could carve antlers. I could carve this. It was like all these different things. I was just so excited. And I've I've never felt that before. Yeah. What, What were you doing before all of this? Like what for your work or livelihood? What what were you doing? Yeah, I um I worked at Over Easy Cafe at this time. So I was there. I also lived at Five Walnut Wine Bar. So it was like just a really happy life, like doing everything you should do in Asheville. Hiking, um, kayaking. I, I feel like I had a very outdoorsy life, which isn't necessarily me at all. I actually hate hiking. Um, I feel like I just stare at my feet the whole time. So I don't flip over anything. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't really see anything until I get to the top. And then I'm like, okay, cool. I feel like you you're the, you're the first person on this podcast to say that they hate hiking. So <laughs> I, hate, yeah. I, I think Lisa and Dean from Atlas maybe said yeah something to the effect of like you know outdoors whatever. <laughs> yeah, I love I yeah I love a good view, but yeah, I yeah. just feel like I'm too. I'm not as coordinated as like you maybe should be the hike or I need a hike. That's a half mile, you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. which isn't a hike. I don't know. Know thyself. I, I, I love that. And so were you, were you a, like a maker of things before you got a hook knife? Yeah. So I, um, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a maker at that point. I grew up with five sisters. So, um, I, I'm like smack in the middle where it's like wow, wait, so five in total or six in total, including you. Um, six in total, including Wowie. me. Wow. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> oh I know. My dad is like, one boy, come on. You know? <laughs> yeah. We, um, I think because of that, you know, he um, always very much so wanted a boy. Like, wow. we grew up, he, um, he played hockey. And so it was like rough and tough, you know, like, here's your Tonka trucks, go have fun. But also, it was like, you're not going to get something new. If mm-hmm. if you need a dresser, you're going to get your older sisters, but you can paint it. You can put knobs on it. You can do anything and make it yours. So I think I always grew up in a family where that's, you know, you get hand-me-downs and you create something that feels personal. Um, but I also grew up, he owned a mechanic shop. So I grew up like in a small business, sort of like family run business mentality. Yeah. So I always knew I would do that in my life. Like I'd never, I never saw myself in like a, a corporate role or anything that felt, I always knew like I am going to own my own business. So for a long time, I thought it would be a clothing boutique. Um, that was like ultimate dreams for me at one point. Um, but I guess just to say that in that notion of, um, sort of like creating your own life path, that is like always sort of been deep seated in who I am, you know? Yeah. I I get it. I mean, I there's a whole vibe. So if you haven't ever seen a hook and spoon kind of spoon and hook. Spoon and hook, sorry. Spoon and hook <laughs> uh Instagram picture or product in um what, what's it atomic has yeah. uh, right you have a space there. So like if you haven't seen it or or followed this at all, there's a whole vibe. And so I can imagine you having a boutique whether it's clothing or, I mean, if you're watching YouTube, this chair, I imagine there could be a whole, you know, like a second hand, but like very designed or firsthand and very designed uh, world that you could create. So that makes sense to me that you have these visions. Um, it seems like there's a big difference, though, between uh, getting your first hook knife in West Asheville and saying, 
I can sell this spoon and someone would buy it? Or how do I sell this? Spoon? <laughs> like, what are the earlier steps? You're going through this crisis. And I think that's, uh, we've all been in a moment where it's like, who am I? What am I doing? Yeah. And so how, what, how do you, is it just therapy to carve at first and then something happens? Yeah, I, um, I, it's, it's such a strange world in the sense of um, how Instagram works, I guess. I think it can be such a double-edged sword. But for me, um, I've always sort of looked at Instagram as this way of just like telling a story. You know, like I remember people were like, you need to have cleaner photos. It needs to be like a white background, very clean. And I was like, I can't do that. You know, like my soul will, I can't. Um, And so I just sort of tried to say those things and, and like be very honest about that. And this woman in Atlanta this is five years ago, I guess. I carved a spoon that had antlers as the handle. And she said, um, I would love to come and interview you. I've never seen a piece like this. And um, at this point, I was working in my sister's garage, which was like a center block hut. It was terrifying. But, you know, I was like, okay, make this look nice and try to kind of like a fake it till you make it thing. You know, I, I started... I decided, like, as I worked at Overeasy, if people I met asked who I was or, like, what I did, I would say I was a woodworker way before I was, way before I, like, had made maybe even five spoons. But for me, it was a moment of, like, I believe in accountability, and I so strongly believe in, like, community um, support in that sense of asking, you know, how's this going? You said you were doing this last time I saw you, and... Um, I never wanted to be that person that could say, still trying to, you know, like I, I wanted to be held so deeply accountable that like I had to follow through with this. And so um, within making this, these pieces, um, the magazine and blog, it was called Sweet Peach in Atlanta. Uh, her name is Pamela and she came up, interviewed me and it was my first time ever talking about myself, which was really strange. Um, and she just was like, you know, you could sell these. And I just remember thinking there's, there's no way, you know, like for what? Five bucks? I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> then one of my dear friends, her name is Morgan. She lives in town. She has a, or she had a business called Bowmish, which was the first, um, sort of like home decor side of Atomic. And she said, you know, I'm, I would love to actually like really do wholesale, you know, while you're figuring all this out with sweet peach. And if you'll do Atlanta wholesale, like let's really work on this here. So um, she and I at sunny point cafe one day, I brought her all the spoons that I had made at that point, And we just sat like every price point. She was like this, this sh- you should sell to me for $20 and I'm going to do a 100% markup on it. So I'm going to be selling this for $40. So it was the first time that I sort of was understanding um, what a price markup should look like for my company and like what wholesale prices should look like for me. Um, and I've, I've sort of like kept that as a basis for how I run things. Um, and I've actually, I've listened to some other podcasts. I've listened to a lot of the other podcasts you all do. And I think that this is, it resonates so much with me and I'm happy to hear other people say it too, where you go into something as like an artist or a maker, um, but you don't know much about the business side, <laughs> you know, and that for me has um, really rang true. Like I, 
I can make as many spoons as you need me to make. But as far as pricing goes, that's always been a struggle for me. Or someone will say, you know, um, I've always wanted to make something. And I'm like, you should just have it. Like, you know, <laughs> take this piece. And that's the part I'm still going to, I will forever be working on that side of things. <laughs> yeah. But so, but like, how did you, okay, you, you, you inherited this um, spoon and uh, did you get the hook knife from your grandmother too? I no. got, I got it from villagers. You got it from villagers. That's right. That's right. Okay. Confusing the story already. But like, did you, had you ever carved anything before? Like how did, how did you did you just start learning from someone else or did you just start using it and you're like okay i'm gonna just yeah so i actually um on instagram i followed a woman named ariella lasco who um she is a she's a female woodworker who lived in new york at the time and i was just mind blown by what she would make and i realized which i it's shocking to me that um not a lot of people know but there's actually a really big female woodworking community um kind of from like new york to california to england um and i sort of looked at pieces that were being made the best way i can think to think about it is like creating bubble letters you know like you sort of have to see a whole vision of what you're trying to write and then you have to break down each one and like put it into little pieces and i i think that's something i've always sort of loved is like breaking down things in like very small step-by-step details and so it took a lot of thinking I understood how to do that and breaking pieces and breaking more pieces and hurting myself and just learning that's not how you do this you know? <laughs> um like I started whenever I be- began I would carve out the bowl and then I would directly work on the handle so then on the back end of the bowl, you have this huge chunk of wood still, but I have completely thinned out this handle to where it's so fragile. Working on that has just made it to where I'm obviously going to break the handle, you know? So it was like, okay, completely work on your bowl before you work on the handle. Or um, I don't know if you can see, I have like a huge cut in my hand where I just drove a gouge straight through. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and it, it's just these things of like, okay, that didn't work this way. Be smarter, think it through a little bit better, um, and try again, and try again, and try again until it makes sense. And the very first spoons I was making, I mean, one spoon would take me three days at like my best time. And now I have things to such a system that I'm making like 15 spoons a day. Um so it's, you know, and that's taken years and days and hours of just understanding new systems. And I will say, I mean, I think a lot of the same sort of concept of telling people I'm a woodworker comes with people who are also woodworkers or who have their own way of doing things. And um, I always want to be a student first, you know, so I think everyone can teach you something and in classroom, even if it's just asking well, why did you do it that way or whatever the case may be? So, um, yeah, I think for me, it was just like learning that as well. I'm sorry. Do you hear my puppy? <laughs> we got to meet the puppy in the pre-interview and he's a cutie and a real puppy with like 12 weeks or right? 12 weeks old. Yeah. Well, he's, I think he's doing great. Uh, far better than, than me when I'm off camera and Sarah's yeah. on a call. <laughs> so, um, I, I find that absolutely fascinating. If I'm not mistaken, does 
uh, Ariel Alesco, does she do a lot of like wood turning? And is that different than what you do? She does. Yeah. So she's working on a lathe and power lathe. tools have always been like a very fearful thing for me. I have a lathe, um, but I need like three terrifying stories to be like, cool. I'll just put that in the corner. <laughs> we'll work on that another day. But um, I don't know. Hand tools just feel so natural. And I just think to be able to like feel something and you can feel every groove of a hand that's done something is just such an incredible notion to me. It's something that I've like really strived to not, you know, I don't use like stencils or everything is literally freehand. Like even in the resin pieces, there's not, there's a vision, but it always changes. But I think I've never wanted it to have this like perfect clean look. I've always wanted it to be like very understood that it's made by hand. And it, I think with wood, with resin, these things, they can be passed down. You know, it is something if it's treated well, like anything, if it's treated well, um, it'll last forever. How do you know when it's done? Right. Because like there, there seems like there's always going to be an opportunity to either, I don't know, sand it or take one more scrape off. And like, does your heart just know? Is it a time? It's thing? kind of yeah. I mean, I I have pieces that um, I started three years ago that are still sitting in the shop that just don't feel done, um, and I think that that's something that I have had to learn to actually make this a business um, is when to when to stop and when to know um, that like enough is enough. And I think for me, so I kind of have had to go into things weekly where it's like okay. You're going to focus on spoons, spatulas, and boards this week. Next week, you're going to only focus on resin. And, you know, it sort of flip-flops each week. But I have a goal in mind, um, which is usually never hit. <laughs> but um, I think for me, I've, I've just had to literally learn to put it down and stop. Um, and if it doesn't feel good enough, if it doesn't feel like it would make the cut, then it just sits in a pile on the shop. I have boxes of pieces that um, just don't make the cut. And won't probably. And I've had days where um, we pour a bourbon and start a fire and I just light old pieces on fire. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And Very it's strange. sort of just like, you know, you just sort of have to let things go sometimes. And like old ideas that felt, I went through a little bit of an obsession where I thought that um, eyeball pieces would be like the thing that would just change my whole career. <laughs> it's so ridiculous but it's always something like that and it's not you know and I think for me that's been another lesson learned and this season of the making it in Nashville podcast is sponsored by range urgent care range has a very special offer for all business owners and honestly anyone in Nashville so please stick around to the end of this ad to learn more about that sponsorship but first we want to tell you why we love range urgent care specifically for our small business as a small business owner, it can be really expensive to maintain a traditional healthcare plan for you and your employees. And this is where Range Urgent Care, an Asheville-based clinic, can help really make a difference. With their business membership plan, you can give you and your employees the peace of mind and help protect them and their financial futures by giving them a place to go for medical care and avoid a potentially life-changing emergency room bill. 
The great thing is, is that an employee membership is just $45 a month per employee, and it includes unlimited urgent care visits that cost $0. These visits include services like x-rays, flu shots, and even prescriptions from Range's in-house pharmacy. The membership also includes free virtual visits for those more mild complaints such as colds, rashes, UTIs, so that your employees don't have to leave their home to get checked out by a medical professional, which is pretty important during the current pandemic. Their employer portal makes it easy to manage your employee roster and invoices from wherever you are, and their business memberships can scale to the size of your business. With two locations, one on Merriman Avenue in Asheville and the other in Black Mountain, they make it very convenient as an option for any Asheville local business. All right, so maybe you're not a business owner or perhaps a corporate membership is just a little bit outside of reach for you and your business today. Range can still help. They offer a wide variety of other memberships, including family and individual memberships, and you don't even need to be a member to visit Range Urgent Care as they are also in-network with most major insurances and offer affordable and transparent flat rate visits. And now for the special offer. Just for the listeners of the Making It in Nashville podcast, Range is offering a free first month of their annual membership, and that's any membership, whether it's business, professional, family, as Sarah said, all of them will get you your free first month uh, visit makingitinashville.com forward slash range to learn more about this very special offer and more about the subscription plans. Again, that's makingitinashville.com forward slash range for a free first month in any annual membership. Um, the pieces that don't sell well, I know to only make a couple of. And some of these are passion projects where I know it's probably not going to sell. I know it's going to sit in my atomic space for years, um, but it's something that I had to make. You know, I had to see it through. It's been in my head for so long that I just had to see it. But um, things, the classic things of like spoons or spatulas, I know those will always be wanted. So I know to like always continue to make them. So it's, it's very easy to like know when that those will be done. Um, but as far as resin goes, that has been years in the making of trying to figure out how to put flowers into pieces. Um, and I think if anyone who's been following Spoon and Hook from the beginning, I used to carve these like insanely intricate floral pieces or mushroom pieces because I could never figure out how to like put the two together um, as something that was like a live flower into a piece. So I was just trying to carve these flowers and it would take me weeks or months to finish a specific piece, which I just realized is not an obtainable business model. It's a great hobby model, but um, the pieces, I would have had to have sold them for such an uh, absurd price. It was just not, you know, it, it, it's making those hard sacrifices, I guess. Um, and I've thought about resin for a really long time, but every time of like almost hit the end of the road of okay resin would work it doesn't meet fda requirements that i've always hoped for or you know there's so much that goes into um like even within specific woods where you have to you know is this going to be a toxic wood is this going to be safe for children what if someone has a nut allergy or like when i've worked with restaurants you know i'm like we can never use walnut wood in case someone had a nut allergy or. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. There's so many little things to think about that. Um, I'm very lucky to have 
people in my life that have asked those questions, you know, and it's, it's either been people within like a woodworking community or in conversation that have made me have to like step back and think. And so resin always felt very scary in that sense, because a lot of it is extraordinarily toxic. Um, you know, respirators, huge rooms, a lot of ventilators just to make it work. And I have found two different resins on the market that um, are FDA cleared, and there's only one that's non-toxic. So obviously there has to be some sort of toxicity in it to create, you know, you have two different compounds that you're putting together to make essentially like a hardened plastic. So there is sort of, there's some sort of chemical makeup there that's probably not the best, but I, I have a pretty safe situation at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first piece is within that, you know, you have to mix things um, one part for one part and it has to be exact. If it's off by a little bit, it'll get like a jelly consistency. It'll never set. And that was a huge stress for me because out of, out of the like um, sort of gate of this, I had a lot of like, personal customized things that people were asking me for. And I'm, I'm a, just like by nature, a yes person, you know, like it's just in my nature to say yes and then figure it out afterwards. And um, within this, there was such a deep fear that someone gives me their wedding flowers and I don't set that correctly. Or right. if someone gives me the flowers from their father's funeral and that doesn't set correctly, I won't forgive myself, you know? So um some of these custom pieces were taking me like six months to finish and four months of that was just fear of not wanting to mess it up and practicing over and over and over until I knew there's no way I would mess up. Um, and I kind of think that's exactly what I guess making is or like deciding to be a maker as a full-time career is like being completely okay with the knowledge and acceptance that you're going to fail a lot (laughs) and you're going to fail over and over and you just have that's like another lesson of how you're going to figure out how to make it better um and that's kind of the trajectory I've been on is just learning how to do this I mean I have goals down the road of um furniture like much bigger scaled pieces than what I'm working on right now um but it takes you know, I always think about a food truck and it's like a lot of food trucks, that is the dream, right? And some people, uh, as soon as they start a food truck, the realization that it could be a restaurant becomes more realistic. And so that becomes the stepping stone to this bigger goal of a brick and mortar restaurant. And so I sort of think that's, that's sort of how I try to like look at my business is this thing that I don't necessarily want to have like a five-year, 10-year plan on because it's changed so much more than I could have ever anticipated um, from the beginning of it. Like when it started, I thought in my eyes, I was just going to like do farmer's markets and like, you know, Saturday morning set up and it was going to be this really sweet thing, but it never felt like it could actually be a full-time career. Um, and then actually girls recent, um, podcast person, Lisa Zahia, mm-hmm. I took her business class. Um, and she, she and I, she, I sat down and told her every dream I had had. Um, and I love Lisa for the, so many reasons, but one of my favorite things about her is you can tell her your most absurd wild dreams. And there's not like a, 
whoa, or this, she doesn't flinch. She's like, okay, well, here's how we're going to make that happen. You know, like it's just, um, she believes in people so much that we said, she just said, we have to set a date. You're going to quit the wine bar. Um, and you're going to do this full time. So we have to prepare every step up to that, what that's going to look like for you as far as like financially making sure you feel safe, making sure your shop feels like where it needs to be, making sure that you have like time management where it should be. Um, and so I sort of had, a, I had a coach, you know, who yeah. is such a great thing for me to have in my life. Um, I grew up playing sports. And so that's sort of like person in your life and having five sisters. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. you always have someone who's rallying for you and like believes in whatever you're trying to do. Um, and I think that that sort of thing has, it, it, I don't know. It's like when you genuinely believe in yourself and what you're doing, even if it's not hitting specific goals of maybe what society tells you, you should be doing. Like it's so fulfilling. Like, you know, I never went into spoon carving thinking I'm going to become a millionaire from this. Um, right. Right. But it is definitely like the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. And I'm, I've made it a full time, you know? Yeah. But and I want, I, I want to go back to that too, about that sort of that leap from, uh, having another job uh, working at the wine bar or the restaurant and then g- transitioning full time into spoon and hook. Like tell us more about that transition. Like, d- did you have enough, um, revenue coming in where you felt comfortable or were you like, no, I need to, I need to find a way to sell more so that I can quit and, and make this full time. Yeah. So kind of in the same mentality of like, um, a food truck sort of thing, I, mm-hmm. I would take one day away um, and I was very lucky. Christy Quinn, who owns Five Walnut Wine Bar, she is just such an, an incredibly amazing human. Like, um, I felt like she sort of was like a mama bird of a nest, you know, like she would just push me out and she was happy to do that. Like, yeah. we want people to, so many people that worked at that wine bar um, are makers in town of different varieties. And, um, Ash feels so cool for that reason. You know, no one wants someone to like not be successful in whatever their goals are. And um, I would just take a day away, which came to the realization of, okay, not to throw numbers out, but I guess I have to for this. But, you know, um, okay, you would make 200 to $250 on one day at this wine bar or $100, whatever the case may be you now need to re you need to figure out how to like remake that money. What does that look like? Is that three boards, two spoons and a spatula? Is that 10 spatulas? Whatever the case may be, I sort of just tried to mimic what that looked like in pieces that I knew would do well. Um, and I've, I've gotten to a place, I think with the resin stuff where I, I hope they do well. I have such a conviction that some of the pieces will sell that um, it made sense to like try to just fully go into that for a while. Um, But from leaving the wine bar, you know, when you are fully on your own and there's now this idea of you're managing your own time. um, And I'm very lucky. We actually, um, we bought a house in Leicester on the almost Sandy Mush area. Um, and I had this dream one night that, um, 
my entire body was made up of earthworms. Like the strangest dream of my life. <laughs> and it's like, you obviously aren't just going to peacefully go back to sleep after that. So I started looking on realtor.com at homes and I'm not even kidding at three o'clock in the morning, this house popped up that said a woodworker or mechanic's dream home. And I was just like, there's no way. Um, and our realtor had chickens. So I knew she would be up early and she was like, we've got to go to this house right now. So we got to the house before they gave us the okay, snuck through a back window that was open, what? saw the whole house. <laughs> um, and then um, as soon as they said, here's the lock, here's the key code to get inside the house, we, we put in an offer. Um, but it's two acres with a shop that sits on top of a hill. Wow. Um, it, two bay doors with like, there's a, a, it's an old mechanic shop. So there's yeah. like a car lift, um, an office space, a loft. And I yeah. use maybe 10% of this ginormous space, you know, but um, I, I, it's investing in yourself, you know, it's investing in the dreams. And um, I think for my husband having like a brewery, you know, this place made sense to store stuff for him as well. So um within kind of that transition of you are going to go full time with this. Um, the next thing came time management. You know, I'm working from home essentially. I just have to walk up to this shop. Yeah. Um, and every day I now have to be diligent about that. I have to wake up at a specific time and that's not easy for me. Yeah. Like if I could live my days the way I would choose to live my days, um, I would wake up when my body told me to wake up. I would go for, you know, it would, yeah. <laughs> by the time yeah. I got started working, it would be probably three o'clock. Oh. What um, time, what time do you wake up? What's like, what's like your go time? My goal time to wake up is seven. Um, the reality time that I wake up is usually like eight, eight thirty mm -hmm. every day. Um, uh, I just real quick, I, I would love to date stamp this, uh, the transition into full time. I believe you said you bought the house about two years ago. Yes. So did the transition full-time happen about two years ago as well, or just before that? Yeah. I mean, we pretty much like, as soon as we bought this house, um, I was going to Lisa's um, business school and we sat down one day and she said, name the date. And I decided to do it a couple months after we moved in just so that I could somewhat have the shop settled. But um, I believe that it was... I want to say it was like late July, early August of so two years ago. Wow. You're just doing it. Yeah. Um, and cool. And then I just want to also say one of my favorite sentences I've ever heard in my entire life is I knew that she had chicken, so she'd be up early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I texted her at like five and I was like, I know you're probably awake. I'm not going to call you till seven, but I know you're up. Yeah. Well, ironically, she, when we moved in, she was like, do you want my chickens? <laughs> um, her name is Tony. She is Asheville craft realty in West oh, Asheville. Yeah. yeah. And I, um, she's incredible. And I, I thought she was joking at first and I was like, I would love to have your chickens. And literally she was like, you can have their house, the chickens, everything. Like we did it. We're ready to move on. I know you'll give them a good home. So yeah. Um, she found our house, got us our house and gave us our first chicken. So yeah. That's a housewarming <laughs> gift if I've ever heard of one. I know. Yeah. She's amazing. 
Wow. I love that. Okay. So I have another question too, because like at the time that you made this full-time transition, were you selling into a lot of other wholesale markets? Like how, how did you grow that, that audience or that uh, grow your revenue through more sales? Like how did you find those different avenues? Yeah. So um, I think again, sort of going back to this idea that I, I had to learn a really hard way to learn to say no as a business person. Um, I think, like I said before, it's sort of in my nature to just say yes and figure it out afterwards. Um, And I had one specific month where I had three different wholesale orders, which equated to around 300 pieces um, on top of trying to just do a normal thing. And I started with an Etsy and quickly realized that for me, an Etsy um, just didn't necessarily make sense. I felt like um, for so many people, it can be a really great channel. But for wooden spoons specifically, you get into this market of like vintage wooden spoons, antique wooden spoons, handmade wooden spoons, silver. You know, it was just it was so inundated with information that um, I decided to start a website. So I went through Shopify, which if any small maker um, wants to start a website. It is so affordable. They are such an incredible company and I would recommend it to anyone who wants that. Completely agree. If you're product first, the answer is Shopify. I think that their mission statement right now is we're arming the rebels. And by that, yes. I mean everyone that's not Amazon. Like they're yeah. trying to arm the rebels in this fight against Amazon. I think that's ambitious and and awesome. So 100%, if you are selling products and things, you should be looking to Shopify for I Yeah, totally agree. And I mean, customer service wise, I feel like I started out by calling them and just saying, I don't know what I'm doing. And they were like, okay, great. Let's start at the beginning and just helped me create a website. Um, but that just felt a little bit more manageable, especially because they have an app. So it was, I set a goal for myself of, okay, you're going to always try to have pieces up. Um, can you hear these dogs? Not really. <laughs> I'm sure it's cute and crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're just crying at each other. But oh. um, from there, I learned that wholesale wouldn't work for me. Um, the month that I had to make like 300 pieces, I literally was in the shop because I live and work here. You know, um, I was in there for like 17 hours a day. And my hands were like shaking. I was bru- I just, I couldn't put in anymore, but I also, there was no way I was going to hit the timestamps that I needed to, to get these pieces out. And that was one of the first hard lessons I've ever learned of truly knowing yourself and what you're capable of um, and really setting those boundaries. Because I think as a small business, especially as like a product-based maker business, you want to be able to fulfill these things. And when someone says, I really love your work, I'd love to carry to my store. You want to say, of course, you know, yes. Um, and I just quickly realized that I don't want to disappoint people and not be able to like fulfill that. So um, I probably do wholesale for maybe two places now. Wow. Um, one is Boston General Store in Boston, Massachusetts. And the other is Kit Kit Dizzy, which is in Nevada City. But ironically, and I, I believe that this is through Instagram, I have like a really large West Coast market. I have a huge like Californian um, 
market of people. So um, it just makes it really easy to say no now, I guess, to wholesale. But also, I think within those revenue streams, it. <laughs> so yeah, sorry. We can hear him now. <laughs> <laughs> We just cry at each other. Stop it. Sorry. I I get I get that you have like it makes sense that you would have a a large like California West Coast uh, audience. It just your uh, I I called it a vibe earlier, but it's it's the word isn't whimsical, but it's it's very earth earthy and like organic and natural, and there's life that comes through it and that Thank screams you. that screams ca- southern california to me yeah no you're absolutely right and i think that's been like a long time goal for me it's um the idea of storytelling you know in johnson city tennessee they do a huge storytelling festival every year um and even i mean within Asheville, like the folklore of things and the um just the stories that are passed down i've always sort of loved that i mean even back to my grandma the most recent time i saw her um which was just a couple weeks ago for her 75th birthday we were driving and i saw a turtle and i was like i think that's a snapping turtle and she said anytime you see a snapping turtle if they snap you they won't let go till it thunders and it was like i don't know what that means i've never heard that in my life i don't think it's true but i love it you know like (laughs) Of course it's true. Yeah. Why would it like go until thunder? I right? know. I mean, it's just so, I don't know. I find something really, um, I've romanticized, I think, to like such a degree that sort of level of like being able to have your own language or your own beliefs and things. And I, I think so often now um, we are so inundated with like, the reality of the world and the reality of life. And um, I think we forget that there's still a lot of beauty, you know, and there are a lot of great people and there are, are a lot of like good stories. And there's, there still should be this like dreamscape life, you know, like to me, I don't know what it's worth if we no longer see like um, any sort of like dreamland of things, you know, and I think looking into how, even with the coronavirus, people turned to Netflix, people turned to television, people turned to art um, to get through a lot of these times. And I think it's just sort of been such a like signifier to me that um, that sort of connecting piece that people need and that sort of like storytelling um, thing of like common ground that we all sort of strive for is necessary. And that for me, like what can connect people better than cooking and food and sitting down at a table together. And then I think about the tools behind that and it is, it's a great spoon, you know, I mean, so often you hear people say you've got to use a wooden spoon and a good sauce, or you've got to, if you don't take it out or, you know, I, I believe those things I genuinely do. And I, I think that's like a little part that hopefully I can play in all of it and the big story. So I try to like, create pieces that sort of have that romantic sort of like natural storytelling um facade not a facade but like um you know sort of enveloped into that yeah i mean there's there's i want to give some specific examples i was looking on your site a couple days ago and you you had a spoon that was um a half moon spoon 
I think. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you you have a lot of other pieces that are inspired by nature in some way or inspired by some other like real thing that is exists out in the world. And we talked about the the resin with the flower pieces and everything. But uh, I'm wondering where you find that inspiration and, and how does it come to you? Like, are you just lying in bed one night and like an idea pops in your head or or are you kind of always seeking inspiration actively? Yeah, that's, um, I think that I, I'm extremely lucky in the sense that, um, we're all very lucky in the sense that we like live in the mountains. So it's, I love to like be able to just walk outside. I mean, behind the shop, um, there's this old oak tree and this old apple tree and there's a groundhog that lives under the shop. Um, and so, I have to chase my older dog every morning because he will run to try to get the groundhog. But then you go back there and it's just this sort of serene thing. There's moss covered everywhere, a little tiny groundhog, mushroom. You know, it's just this beautiful thing that it's just really easy to stay inspired by that. But I think, I think like within nature itself, um, there's so much to learn and so much beauty in all of it. Even with, I I'm, have a huge garden that I'm, in my dream world, I would be a farmer more than a woodworker. Um, but I'm very inspired by farmers. I'm very inspired by that. I'm just very inspired by like um, labor intensive love, acts of love. Like the idea that Asheville is made up of so many incredible farmers who would rather choose to wake up on the rainiest, coldest, horrible day and get out and like, work the land you know I mean that's just it's amazing I mean it, yeah. it just feels like one of the last um frontiers of like love and passion and how to like stay true to like to me what is um the like the human experience you know um so yeah I think I get very inspired by that as well as vintage and I have like an absurdly sick obsession with Cher. Um, I love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's just like an amazing human to me. So uh, she, like who, who doesn't love Cher? Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think I also get very inspired by this idea of like, you know, throw a boa on it and like throw some glitter in. Who cares? You live once, you know, like, um, yeah, I don't know. I sort of just that like wild heart um, carelessness maybe is the right word of just see where the chips fall. I'm very inspired by that as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I hear the word share enough in, in, my, in my life. I agree with you. I, uh, <laughs> Me I is- not think of like, do you believe in life after love? I used to, try and like impersonate that because i thought that was such a fun like her voice is so great and it's also to me a little bit funny but yes. like great you know like it's like it's a it's so distinct i'll put it like a tracy chapman kind of thing where you exactly. just want to like, try oh, i get that that's tracy chapman you know like it, yeah. it doesn't know you, the songs are like uh 
uh, Alanis Morissette just had a song that came out. And I was like, is this Alanis Morissette? Yeah, absolutely. You know? And so Cher is that for me. Um, and then also every time there's a wardrobe change and anything, I'm like, who do they think they are? Cher. I know. <laughs> I completely agree with you. I actually had tickets to see her live this year. Um, obviously, coronavirus changed a couple things, but that is huge goals of mine is must see share i actually have this dream like i will never carve another spoon once this happens but i dream of creating a piece for shaquille o'neal like i want to make a piece so big that he looks very tiny and (laughs) i've i've gotten i would say i'm like three degrees from Shaq at this point like i've tried so hard for this to happen and um tim was like hang it up at burial you know like you can have a giant spoon and we can really but i told lisa this like in one of our first business yeah. things of like what are your goals and i was like to make a spoon for shaft and she was just like okay well any you know like there was no yeah. hesitation oh. and like wow we know um, someone whose son did a like a custom one of three painting that hangs in shack's walls so technically God, like we like we're could facilitate that now that we know that that's a thing there's a world where we connect to another artist that's done something special for Shaq okay here's one of those important things that I think (laughs) I would love to say in this podcast (laughs) you have to say what you want out loud you have to say your goals you have to say what you want no matter how crazy it is like a spoon for Shaquille O'Neal because you never know you just never know who. Who knows someone or how this can work? That's amazing that you all know someone. Like, oh, yeah, I'll never, I'll never carve again once this happens. <laughs> that would be well, <laughs> it, it can happen very soon. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll work on this. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> Holy smokes, that's so funny, Shaq. Thank you for listening to the Making It Natural podcast. I know. <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll like tweet this out at him or something, can and you imagine, maybe like, I just want two hands holding a spoon. <laughs> With like an entire <laughs> bag of cereal in it, just like looking so tiny. It's such a thing. <laughs> I'm a, I like as a kid, I remember um, seeing a pair of his shoes, and it was pretty much the same size that I was at like eight years old. I mean, it was such a massive shoe, and I just was so mind blown that I went down this deep spiral. And my mom loved it. You know, she like, let's get you into basketball. You can be like Shaq, which is obviously so scaled off i am nowhere that tall or talented obviously but like yeah um yeah i what an incredible human he is you know yeah. and incredible <laughs> entrepreneur which is often Absolutely. missed because he's on tv and people don't necessarily see all the other sides but like crazy good investor early early in google like absolute rock star uh as a entrepreneur post yeah music during his, yeah yeah so here's to that. I what a great who saw that coming, Sarah? <laughs> I saw it because I read the the pre-interview notes yeah. slightly. So <laughs> I love that. I love but I love what you said about um you have to say it out loud. And I'm wondering, is there a sort of uh not mantra, but like something you say every day or, or some practice that you you have um, where you're manifesting what you want in some way? You know, I think for me, um, yes. I, like within, um, like Tim and I will have these conversations of the most absurd things we dream of doing or like what are things. And to me, I um, 
Do you know who Emmy Bethel is of Alchemy? The tea shop, mm-hmm. and it's um, kind of in pseudo North Asheville off Charlotte Street. But Al- Alchemy on, uh, is on Charlotte Street. It's right off of Charlotte Street, kind of by the Starbucks. Uh, oh, yeah. I think I know. I passed that before, yes. and I've always wondered what this tea place is because oh, it's it's kind of like it. hidden and like off the beaten path. Yeah, but we we live really we live off Charlotte Street, oh, so we should know oh, this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you all should stop in. It's an acupuncture clinic slash tea shop. Emmy, the woman that owns Alchemy, she is one of the most amazing humans I know in town. Everyone should just sit at Alchemy and like learn about who she is as a person or just hear her talk for even five minutes. But one of the things that inspires me most about her is um, she has lived several different lives. Um, Her daughter, Maya, who's one of my friends, will be wearing the most beautiful earrings. And I'll say, where did you get those? And she'll say, oh, you know, when my mom lived in Arizona and she was a jewelry maker or I saw um, Emmy at a Halloween party and I was like, you look amazing. You know, she was this Grecian goddess, just like beautiful. And she was like, thanks. I I made this dress for Maya when she was like 12 years old. Um, And I've just always loved, I've loved and sort of like concreted this idea for myself that we, I don't believe are ever supposed to stay in one specific thing, you know, um, And I think I learned that by having this life path that I thought was going to be where I went down and that completely uprooted. Um, And I sort of learned to be okay with the idea that like life shifts should be something we embrace rather than being fearful of that idea. And so, you know, even within Spoon and Hook or, um, you know, for my husband with burial or whatever the case may be, I think we both look at it as stepping stones to the next thing um and so at our house there's always um a couple different projects constantly happening you know and i think that's a way to like not only stay inspired but to also feel ease in um if it doesn't go well in what you're currently doing you know i've had a lot of moments spoon and hook specifically within the coronavirus where it's been this very fearful thing of is it going to work you know, is this going to make it? And I've had to shift a lot. Um, but I think just accepting that failure could happen and that's totally okay. I mean, I bought a, um, 1969 Volkswagen transporter probably three years ago and I wanted to start a mobile business. I thought it was going to be so, so much fun. Um, it was going to be flowers and wooden wares. And I was going to have a little fridge with like local kombuchas i had this whole dream and then um i don't know how to drive a stick shift i don't know how to drive four on the floor which really was two on the floor because you had to go first to third and it was just a lot of learning lessons and i realized that i am trying to be something that i'm not you know i'm trying to um i'm trying to put on a hat sort of like in the beginning times of like you know you desperately want to be this thing or you think it's what you should be based on like um, where you're at in your age or where you're at in your career or what you see on Instagram, society wise, whatever the case may be. But then you start doing it and realize that it's not at all what you're supposed to be doing, you know? And so I think just embracing that has been really um, 
it's easy to try the very scary things. It's easy to create resin pieces that um, feel good to my soul, but might not work knowing that like, it's okay to fail. Um, So I guess like mantra wise, I've just sort of gone into everything with the idea of like, um, I'm going to create these pieces that have a story and come from the heart and hopefully connect with other people. And if they don't, that is completely okay. Um, I know that I've seen it to fruition and like, that's enough for me, you know? Um, so yeah, just, you know, not to keep up with music things, but to quote Chumbawamba here, you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not going to. <laughs> no, you have. We all know. We all yeah, are now hearing that song in our head. Exactly. Oh that's oh like Tracy Chapman or Cher. I don't need to say the words. Everyone knows. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Chumbawamba. Uh, Anarchist, I, t- I found out. Uh, it like, really? I, I, or, yeah. Yes. I believe that is a true statement. Uh, and really like a crazy 20 person, like the original uh, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. I heard that it's like a 20 person band or 30 person band. Oh, um, I had no clue. They all just banged on stuff. I might be <laughs> totally wrong, but I remember reading that about <laughs> Chumbawamba tub thumping, which is, you know, one of my first uh, first songs ever burned onto a CD date stamp yes. for the youngsters who don't even know what that <laughs> means. Um, oh. and it's funny cause you know, it, it tracks and recorders. Anyway, I loved what just happened here. I loved for everything from, um, say it into the world. Uh, I just, one of my all time favorite books is the alchemist. And then okay. you talk about alchemy tea. So like, I just, I've read it. It rounds to 10 times. Uh, and I just read, I listened to it for the first time on tape and it was lovely. Um, Jeremy Irons, great actor, like does the voice for it. So it was also sounded beautiful, but like, there's, I, I think there's something so, um, so true that you just took us through, which is, you know, sometimes there is a struggle, like, you know, putting I imagine, a knife through your hand and continuing all the while. And then sometimes like, you know, learning to drive a, a stick shift not this struggle that you know resonates and following your i guess own sense of where north should be and what feels yeah. good now is the ultimate goal so hats off to you for yeah thank you for tracing that along yeah i i definitely agree i so i think this is a perfect transition to talk a little bit about what your vision is now for the future and, and of course also so much has changed over the past year uh, that i'm sure has affected um kind of the the vision or what you're seeing but what, what's what's in the future what are you working on now um and what are you hoping to do for the next months yeah, years you know um i think for me it's just i'm definitely going to stick down this path things are going to get bigger there's definitely going to be more um there's going to be more furniture in the future. But by bigger, you mean like you're going to make bigger pieces? Yeah, yeah. just bigger scale um, tables, chairs. Um, one of the biggest blessings, I think, within the coronavirus for me, and blessing is a very, I'm I'm very recognizing that that is like a privileged word to use in yeah. the midst of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I just feel very thankful, I guess, that this has happened in the midst of so much that is going wrong in the world. Um, I, I did not take out any loans. I did not take out any money. I just wanted to see, um, how it would look. And I was, I'm very thankful that like for my husband's job, we could make that choice without, um, obviously if spoon and hook went down, I was going to get a job at target and figure it out or something, you know, if there <laughs> yeah. was no, like, um, it'll be okay. But I had to completely let go of resin for a while because resin alone is such an expensive thing. The process is very time consuming. It's very expensive. So I had to go back to the roots of, um, carving spoons, carving spatulas, these things that I did not do as much of. And I needed to get back to a place where I was carving 15 plus a day. Um, which was, that was kind of that like great thing for me to remember that, um, just because you are moving forward in things and it feels good to like push forward in the ways that, um, feel good to you. It's also okay to go back for a moment. I felt like I was completely failing. Um, and it wasn't in the sense of like, you can recover. I, I was really scared for a minute when it all first started and, um, sort of relearning to do that has just reminded me that I, I need to always keep the, I need to keep the roots in the later pieces, you know? Um, so within that being said, I have had so many questions about classes and the couple of times that I've taught, um, have been really fun. It's always been in person, which obviously is not as accessible to anyone now. And so, I am currently working on um, literally everything I do from like the resin work to carving spoons to everything, a huge um, online course. And in Dreamworld, that will comprise of other female makers um, in different facets to where there's sort of a like accessible way for people to to do it in their own private time um, and learn how to turn these things into a career if they want to. So um, I'm currently working with a lot of different female um, makers of different things just to see like what that would look like for them, but also doing my own sort of like videography class thing, which kind of feels hilarious sometimes I still don't know where to look all the time at the camera. <laughs> so like you know I'm not the ideal tech person to do this but um I'm just hoping that it's something I, I never want um knowledge of something to be like held you know I believe that like if we can share something that can better other people or give other people an opportunity it's like our responsibility to do that so I'm hoping to make this uh, very cost-friendly, very user-friendly, and just something that um, anyone's accessible to. Because when I started this, I did not think um, that it would be a business. And now I'm doing it full-time. You know, so I just, I really believe everyone's capable of that if they're going to, if they want it and can put the work in and, like, are willing to fail and try again over and over. Well, I... I I'm in love. I have so many more questions that we can go down that rabbit hole. We can do it offline. But um, I I would just say if you haven't already, there's an episode with Gareth Higgins. 
I love his pricing model is when you're thinking about inclusivity into building that into a product. Um, he has a, you know, to, for me in my life uh, forever, it'll be known as like the Gareth Higgins pricing model in, oh, in my really? mind, which is here's what I believe it's worth. And with no questions asked, no problems. If you can't pay that, tell me what you can pay. Amazing. And, and if it's zero, that's fine. Yeah. Um, just w I want people who want to be here to be involved. And hey, everyone who can pay, uh, know that that is my model. And so if you think you could afford more, please, like it, with with gratitude and appreciation, thank you because it it supports the scholarships for the other I participants. Love that. And yeah, it's so I mean, it's powerful. So it's so powerful. It's so powerful. I love it. I have, like, <laughs> I, I have goosebumps so and sweating, beautiful. so it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I, something about um, having the trust. You know, that's something I love about when you go to, like, the farm stands or something, and they just have a little box. It's like, yes. it could have been $10, but I'm definitely putting 20 in because you trusted me. You know, the fact that... Um, I have this moment to be honest about what I could afford or the fact that I want to be able to support this thing and it could help someone else be able to follow that dream too. I mean, that's such a, as you said, that's very powerful. It's a beautiful notion. I'm going to have to listen. I have not listened to this oh, podcast, what a but sweetie. I can't <laughs> wait to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a definitely a power. It's a, it's a very non-traditional episode because he's not a traditional like business man or anything like yeah. that. So it's, it's, it's like, it's a really nice. Oh, one, I for can't sure. wait. Derek Higgins. Yeah. Uh, Gareth. Yeah. Gareth. Gareth. Okay. Gareth Higgins. Yeah. Irish Thank name. You. Yeah. We'll send it to you. Cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It'll be linked to in the show notes when this episode is live. So uh, also yeah. there, whatever you remember. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So uh, that is your future. You're going to uh, follow the intuition. And um, I'm very excited about this course. I watch a lot of woodworking things and I, we don't have, oh, I've never cool. had a tool shed. I'm like slowly compiling. Like I got a, uh, you know, a speedy square, which gave me so much life. I haven't got to use it yet, but I like, I'm like slowly getting all these, uh, tools. Yeah. We're, we're going right. to transition away from like the, the story of your business into this loose version of a speed round. And I'd say tangential questions, um, outside of, the hook spoon are there tools in your workshop that give you just a ton of life maybe yes. one has a story or whatever what, what tool stands out um a scroll saw is one of the things that i believe anyone who wants to be a woodworker should have um and that's like a little saw that goes up and down and you like push wood around yes it. it's like a miniature bandsaw essentially but um for anyone who's willing to work on like a small scale you can take you know, a 90 degree angle effortlessly without much sanding at all. Um, it is just, it's so smooth. It's so easy to use. Um, once you learn how to use it, mm -hmm. you learn. But yeah, <laughs> it's very, very user-friendly. Also, and this is something that um, I've just learned throughout time. Um, when sanding the inside of a spoon bowl or anything else, I carve these little knobs. They kind of look like little mushrooms with a really long piece of wood at the bottom and I duct tape sandpaper to those. I put them into my power drill and um, I quickly sand out the inside of a bowl. Ah. So 
Yeah, like a lot of the things that I use are like um, things that you would, they're makeshift things, you know, of just learning what could be better for you that's not necessarily a tool. Um, but that sandpaper, duct tape, a good drill, um, and carving a knob is one of the game changers for how I've been able to like quickly carve pieces um, and sand them much, much more effortlessly. Makes sense. Um, so yeah, I think for me, it's like a lot of the tools are just like, <laughs> they're just, it's duct tape and sandpaper and blades. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of the episode. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> also, I think just to say real fast, um, sort of in the sense of like not being scared to say what you want in the world. Also not being scared to ask for what you want in the world. I reached out to two cherries, um, which is a, they make hand tools. And I just said, you know, I am a female woodworker. I know that you all just had a woman take over the entire business. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I love your work and um, I'm now sponsored by them. So they send me, four to six tools and I use them and like sort of give feedback and talk about them. But you just never know if you don't ask or if you don't talk about what you want in the world. And so um, shout out to two cherries wood tools. (laughs) They are phenomenal chisels. Um, Anyone that's looking to get a great gouge or a great knife um, two cherries and Swiss made. I would not steer away from either of those ever. Cool. Yeah, I'm a, again, gear guy, like a little bit of a dork. I've listened to, uh, does Nick Offerman, is he like, do you love, oh, do you love Nick yeah. Offerman or like Nick Offerman? Cause I don't think there's uh, an alternative, but I've like read his books on woodworking. <laughs> like, I love it. Yeah. So, um, I, before the coronavirus started, um, I was on the trajectory to be on the show, make, um, uh, what is it? Making yeah. it. Making it. It's making yeah. it. I, that's all weird to say because we're making it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was going to be on the show before the coronavirus started. So I went down this deep nerd hole of like wanting to impress him um, if it came to fruition and not like say anything ridiculous, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I read a lot of his stuff and he's a phenomenal human. Such a talent. Such an insane talent. Yeah. Cool. So, so yeah. links to Nick Offerman's books <laughs> yeah. and on audio, obviously, because then you get his voice, uh, which is the yes. one-two punch. Yeah, I know. That's so funny about that show, too. I remember when we started making it in Nashville, we were like a year in. We didn't. Oh, not even. We're not like, even. Oh, my God. We didn't even know this show existed. Oh and like God. we were like we had Googled, you know, maybe like Googling to like kind of check what other things were out there so we wouldn't yes. be confused. And it's Tony's like, there's a making it show. We're like, what? Announced yet. The only other thing that was um, like a heavy hitter in the space was uh, Jimmy DeResta, who is also a maker and a friend of Nick Offerman and everyone else that makes things. Uh, yeah, he's got a podcast. I think that's called "Making It" or "Make Make It." Uh, okay, but Jimmy DeResta, great YouTube channel on, yeah. on wood things as well. So amazing! Yeah, the idea of like a YouTube channel that that is always like I wish I could there's still time. Do that. There's still time. Uh, yeah, exactly. There is. There really there's is. Um, the the inter- yeah. I think I think YouTube would love you. I. Uh, 
And I would say go back to the truth that you learned in Instagram where it's like people say it's supposed to be X. Do Y if Y is you. And um, yeah. I, I have faith in, in the, the process. But that's my two cents. Yes, I love that. Trust the process. That's, that's uh, Tony's mantra for sure. I yeah. Like he said that all the time. Um, cool. Well, I think it's time that we move into what we call the speed round bonus round. It's never really that speedy, but yeah. <laughs> it's uh, just some final questions to, to wrap things up and, and get to know you outside of um, Spoon and Hook. Yes. Okay. So uh, the first question is, this is a fill in the blank. Uh, one, two, three words. Uh, Asheville is blank. Asheville is. Asheville is. I'm so sorry. I'm not speedy. <laughs> Asheville is whatever you want it to be. Ooh, I like that. Okay. I like that. Um, yeah. And we'll leave it there. Uh, what did, are you a reader? And then, if yes, like what books on your nightstand, or what book have you given as a gift, or what book comes to mind when I ask you, are you a reader? Yes, um, <laughs> I am. I am currently reading. Um, sorry to get political, but I am literally looking at it right now. I'm reading Mary Trump's current work on her family dynamic. I'm very interested in that um, outside of politics, just on like how that family works. So that is currently what I'm reading. <laughs> nice. I will say more so. I'm um, a huge journaler, so. I look back on like journal things often Mm -hmm. Um, more than I guess, maybe like reading my own podcast and journaling. I would say I like reference back more. Yeah. than reading. Yeah. I love that. Um, Is there a particular journal or brand of a journal that you love to use? I am obsessed with the rifle paper Mm. company. Um, There used to be this John, John Gary um, collage style journals, but Mm -hmm. they don't make them anymore. Those are my absolute favorite. They were just played out really beautifully. But with the rifle paper, they're just, like, very simple. They come in packs of threes. And um, I just, like, roll through those so fast. But then can go back. You know, they're, like, kind of color-coordinated. But I always have, like, a business one, a garden one, and a personal one every year um, that I just scribble through. <laughs> love a garden one. Yeah. What do you write in your garden one? How things I- are growing? I mean, is, yeah. that's why you go back and look, I, I imagine. I It's like, what seeds have I planted? When did I plant them? How did they do? Uh, where did I put things in the garden? Um, in my dream world, like down the road, I would 100% be like selling as a farmer huh. um, and having like spoon and hook still going as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, becoming like a, good gardener is such a huge goal of mine yeah. and is so, is the journal process because i you know tim it, brewers seem to me like i would have imagined that they're just people who like to drink a lot and so whatever but it turns <laughs> out like, it turns out like wow they're scientists like it's crazy oh, the amount of detail on the, the you know the chemistry that they're doing and so is, did you pick up that with respect to a garden or is that just how your mind works? I need it on paper. 
Yes. You know, I think that um, part of being a brewer and like what I've learned from Tim is that he is like a master perfectionist, um, which I think most brewers are. It is. It's a total science to do it right. Um, And I'm just like, let's just throw some seeds and see what happens this year. You know, like lessons learned. Um, I also don't like pull anything up. I like strongly believe in just letting the birds take care of it from this point. But because of that, there is stuff everywhere zinnias that i did not plant for like basil it's just it's kind of turned into this madhouse i'll send some pictures of <laughs> yeah in different uh forms wherever on the website or in yeah. instagram but that's lovely it's crazy i'd love to have you all over to see it it's i'm looking out the window right now and it's like it's just mayhem <laughs> we'll have the journal that in later you know yeah <laughs> today mayhem yeah. love it <laughs> Okay. Well, the final question is, if we had a magic wand or someone else in our audience had a magic wand of sorts, what one thing would you ask for right now? <gasps> oh. And not not Shaq to buy a spoon from you. Uh, yeah. Something else. What one thing would I ask for right now? It's honest and it's not the most fun answer. <laughs> Both. Yeah. Fun. Okay. Um, I would love, I've been really fixated recently on like trying to understand, um, on like a global scale, how we've gotten to the place we are right now with everything. I, if I had a magic wand, I would love to go back to the first conversation of people who, um, decided to like make money, the ultimate goal over human lives or to capitalize. I would love to just know a date and a secret conversation in like a dark room. I, That's how it happened in my head. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So uh, I think it's an incredible ask. And what the, the, the book that I'll point to, I just listened to is called Sapiens. Okay. Oh, I've heard of this. I think that Sapiens does the most um, thorough r- run through of what, you know, the early uh, homo sapiens to modern society and beyond, like how it all is connected with uh, yeah. a single long thread. That's a good first step. That's a good first step. Okay. Yeah. That's actually, you're the second person that has mentioned that book to me. So that would be big on my list. Yeah. Um, just to understand. If I had a magic wand. Also, if I had a magic wand, I would like, yeah, I don't know. This could go down. No. <laughs> Wish for another magic yeah. wand and then make more wishes. Yeah. Yeah. Three more magic wands. Exactly. Love it. Um, thank you, Annalise. Before we uh, sign off, can you please let the audience know where to find you on the World Wide Web or connect um, in the best way that suits you? Yes. So, um, I do not have a Facebook, so it's either easiest to, um, follow me via Instagram on spoon and hook. Um, I also am not the best at Instagram messages. Um, I try to get through them as quickly as I can, but I, if anyone wants to directly connect with me, spoon and hook at gmail.com will get to me very quickly. Um, and that is all listed on my website, spoon and hook.com. Um, how to contact me. So, Perfect. yes. 
Well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you all. It's it's this has been really fun. It's great to see your faces. Yeah.